Well, we are going to get into the Word today. So you turn to Matthew chapter 10, and last week we started a series called The Generous Life. We started talking about, because it's the, the month where we're talk, talking about thanks, thanksgiving and thankfulness, we also want to think and flip the script and not just think about all the things that we're thankful for that we get or that we have, but we want to be thankful for the ability to be generous. In fact, we've been called to be a generous people. I made a brief reference or mention last week to our key text for today, and so we're actually going to dig deeper into this idea uh, where we actually learn that generosity isn't just about the, the way that we think, but it's actually a mission that we have been sent on. And so really, that is our focus today. If I could give this title, uh, this sermon a title, it would be The Mission of Generosity. And in Matthew chapter 10, we actually see Jesus sending his 12 disciples out onto a mission, onto a missions trip, and he gives them some really particular instructions. So this is going to serve as our key text for today in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 5. It says, Jesus sent these 12 after giving them instructions. And here were the instructions. He says, don't take, uh, don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. Don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then this verse, verse 8, is our key text for today. Give it a little bit of context. Jesus is sending his disciples out on this mission trip. And here's what he tells them to do when they're on the trip. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. So Jesus, again, he's sending them out on this mission, and he's telling them there is something that you've been given, and as you go, I want you to give it away. So you can see how this is a conversation about generosity now. Now, I do want to say it is worth clarifying that as Jesus sends out the 12, he is sending them in this context only to fellow Jews. He was doing, that was the, the focus of the mission before the crucifixion, before Jesus, uh, his death and his resurrection. But then after Jesus is raised from the dead, he sends his disciples out to the entire world. He does that in something called the Great Commission. So here, though, in this context, we see Jesus giving this narrowed focus. Eventually that focus, and for us, that focus is widespread. Uh, but he is giving his disciples the missional heart of generosity. Now, again, I'm calling this a missional heart because this is the mission of God. And as we have been given, uh, we've actually been recipients of God's mission, we're actually called to go and give away that same mission to the rest of the world. And just to make sure that we are fully on board with understanding that God wants us to go everywhere, let's remind ourselves that in Luke chapter 4, as Jesus is reading from the scroll of Isaiah, he's telling us about his own mission. Later on in, in something called the Great Commission, we hear that, that we are supposed to go to everyone, everywhere. That's actually something that the early church wrestled with quite a bit. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus tells us this is really a part of his mission. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
So through his ministry, what he's doing is he sends out the disciples, and, and then also this trickles down to us in 2022. As he sends us out, he is sending us out to do multiple things, things like proclaiming the favor of God. And he, in this context for today, what we're going to focus on is how generosity looks like Jesus giving us the mission to go and heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those with leprosy, and to drive out demons. And we're talking about some pretty heavy things today, some pretty weighty things, and maybe, depending on how you look at it, some pretty exciting things today. So Jesus is showing us, though, that kingdom generosity is just as interested in your health as it is in your wealth. I said this to you last week, and I'll say it to you again. When we talk about generosity, we are absolutely talking about your money. But we're also talking about the rest of your life. And so today what we want to zero in on, what we want to focus on, we'll talk about more practical money type things, but we're talking about practical spiritual type things uh, today as we talk about the mission of generosity. My heart today is to walk through each of these four uh, instructions that Jesus gives as he's made a way for us to have Things like healing and life and cleansing and deliverance and the ways that he wants us to give those things away. So let's pause here. Before we dive in, go any further, can we just stop and pray right now? Uh, and let's take a moment of receiving something from the Lord before we dig into a conversation about how we are giving those things away. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the mission that you went on to come to us, into the world, to give us such incredible blessings. Blessings. God, before we take a turn and look out to the world to be generous, we want to pause now before we even go any further in this sermon. We want to pause now and say thank you to you for the ways that you have given us so much. You have given us healing. You have given us life. You have cleansed and purified our lives. And you have delivered us. We thank you, God. If you are a person who is living in relationship with Jesus, this would be a perfect moment for you once again to just in your own words say thank you to God. Can you do that now before we take another step forward today? Say thank you to the Lord for the ways that he has blessed you, the way he has set you free and given you so much. I just have a feeling there's such a sweetness about this moment that, Lord, we just come before you with, with humility and like children who are grateful to you and say thank you to you today. You are a good God. You have been good to us. And now, Lord, as we turn our focus, would you be good to others through us as we talk about carrying your mission of generosity to the world? In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to walk through each of these four instructions that God has given to us through Jesus. He gave it to his disciples, and then since we are disciples of Jesus, this is our mission as well. Uh, now, the first thing that Jesus tells his disciples to do on our mission of generosity is heal the sick. Jesus calls us to heal the sick. He begins with a practical topic. You, you might look at this as a progression of sorts, of four progressive ideas that Jesus is giving, but certainly looking at this as a, a distinct element in this list of instructions that Jesus gives, he starts very practically. Hey, go out there, find some sick people, and heal them. Now, 
Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us joining online, every person that you know and that you will ever meet has been and will be touched by sickness. It's not fun to say that. We wish that that wasn't true, but it is the reality. We are all touched in some way and have been touched by sickness. I mean, if you lived through 2020, we were all touched by sickness and the ripple effect that that has on our lives. And the great news, the good news of Jesus is that he actually comes and offers healing for sickness. If you study anything about the ministry of Jesus in the world, he, he actually makes healing sick people a big part of his ministry, right? We see him going around healing people pretty regularly. Physical healing from sickness is a passion of Jesus, and it's a passion of the people of Jesus. You see, Jesus clearly understood what Thomas Scott eventually wrote in his commentary on Scripture, where he said, Men will never believe that we really intend the good of their souls if they do not find that we endeavor to do them good disinterestedly in temporal things. In other words, if they don't believe that we care about their physical life, then they won't care what we think about their spiritual life. So Jesus understood that. So he would walk into a town and he would demonstrate not only just his power, but his compassion, his care for people by coming and healing the sick. Because God, he, in fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that people would have life to the fullest. And Jesus understood one of the ways I can demonstrate the full and overflowing and abundant life that I intend for people to have in relationship with me and in the world is by healing their physical sickness. So Jesus comes to do exactly that. Now, we actually don't know how many people Jesus healed in the three years of his public ministry. Uh, it's, it's impossible to get a number for that because in some moments Jesus walks into a town and it says he heals all of their sick. In other moments, it says he heals many of their sick. Both of those aren't numbers. So we have no idea how many people Jesus healed. And then interestingly enough, Jesus also walks into some moments and he heals one dude and then he bounces. And we don't understand exactly why that happens. But what we do know is that Jesus was always on the mission that God sent him on. He never did anything unless he was led to do it by his Father in heaven which is a good model for us, and in the middle of all of the different ways that Jesus functioned and gave healing or moved on from opportunities to heal, in all of the ways that he ministered, we know absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus clearly gave us the ministry of healing as well. 100% gave that to, to us as well. In Mark's version of the Great Commission, which I referenced earlier, I want you to listen to this now. This is how Mark records Jesus telling his disciples about the mission that he was sending them on. Mark 16, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the part of the Great Commission that we're all like, yep, yeah, totally cool. Go make disciples awesome. And then he says this, all the, and these signs will accompany those who believe, not might, but will accompany those who believe in my name. In whose name? The name of Jesus, not in my name, not in Tim's name, but in the name of Jesus, they will, who's they, by the way? We're going to do a little bit of, uh, just break down the scripture. Who, who's they? All who believe. Notice that he didn't say, and these signs will accompany the pastors. And these signs will accompany the prophets 
or the evangelist. He just said, these signs will accompany those who believe. Everybody. In my name, they. Everybody. Those who believe will drive out demons. They, same group of people, everybody. They will speak in new tongues. They, same group of people, will pick up snakes. Now, side note. We don't have a snake handling ministry at Life Church. We don't. We also do not currently experience that you must speak in tongues in order to prove that you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus is talking on two levels here. He's saying there is a gift of heavenly language, we call that tongues, that is available for everybody who believes. It is a different sermon, but my personal conviction and the way I've studied Scripture and what I have come to understand about the way that the gift of tongues is offered is that it is available to every single person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Let it be done to you according to your faith is a really good standard for how you engage in the gift of tongues. It's a different sermon. If you want to buy me lunch and ask me what I mean by all of that, I would gladly unpack all of that with you over some Chipotle felt the spirit move me in that direction just now. Give me, give me some street tacos, and we'll talk about tacos and tongues, but not, not tongue tacos. And then because we believe that there is nuance and, and, and wiggle room that Jesus is talking about uh, a gift that is available to everyone when he talks about tongues, we also can say, well, are we also all required now to hold a snake to prove that we have faith in Jesus? No. He's, he's talking about you're going to speak a new way and you're going to live a new way. What you used to be afraid of, you're not going to be afraid of anymore. What used to be, attack your life has no power against your life anymore. And then the way that you used to talk isn't the way that you talk anymore. So you see how Jesus is talking on like a, like a meta-spiritual level. You're going to think and talk and live and do and act and behave differently than you used to. And then also there's practical gifts of tongues. And by the way, if you ever happen to pick up a snake in the power of the name of Jesus, you could be bitten by a snake and have it not affect you. Now, we know that we're not just making that up because that event literally happened to the Apostle Paul. Now, I know that it feels like I'm taking a really long sidetrack that has nothing to do with my message, and I totally am. But that's because at Life Church we're committed to making sure that we don't just gloss over things that you have genuine questions about, and we don't start accidentally uh, inviting you to start silly ministries. Okay? So, side note over. Let's get back to the Bible. All right. So, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Jesus gave healing to sick people. Many of them, and he gives it to us. He gives us healing, and he also gives us the ministry of healing. How do we know that? Freely you have received. Freely give. So practically speaking, when we talk about healing the sick, practically speaking, this is how we engage this in our lives. When you see a sick person, first thing, first thing, pray for their healing in the name of Jesus. Pray for their healing in the name of Jesus. Now, let's, let's if we're talking practically, um, we don't condone that you force every sick person to receive your prayers until you're satisfied. Pray for, the, pray for healing for sick people based on relationship. 
You can declare healing over people even without them knowing that you're doing it. Does this make sense? Um, if you see a per like for example, I had a person um, come into our church in a wheelchair. This was years ago. We were just brand new in the church. Her name was Mary, sweet lady, came to be a part of our church. She was in a wheelchair. And she came in and she joined our church for a while. And she said to me one time, Pastor Tim, I'm so thankful that I can come to this church. This is the first Pentecostal church I've ever gone to where I wasn't made to feel ashamed that I come into church in a wheelchair while I've also received healing in all kinds of other areas in my life. And I said, tell me more about that story, Mary. She said, every time I've gone to a Pentecostal church, they force me to receive prayer that I would get up out of my wheelchair. And don't get me wrong, I hate this wheelchair. I want to get up out of this wheelchair. But so far, in the times that I've asked to receive prayer for that, the Lord hasn't gotten me up out of this wheelchair. But I've experienced his healing in all kinds of other areas. And so she was saying, thank you that at Life Church that people will pray for me for healing when I ask for it, and then they can ask also, can I pray for you for healing in all of the other areas of your life? And I would love to receive that. What I'm telling you is we're not jerks for Jesus and like forcing prayers onto people, but we are fully convinced that Jesus is actively healing people by his name, by the power of his name right now in 2022. And you can hold both of those things in nuance and being a, be a loving neighbor and see miracles that are physical and also miracles that are emotional and mental and spiritual and relational all, all throughout, it, like in our modern life. And you can do that by building relationships with people. So when you see a sick person, ask them, can I pray for you? I believe that Jesus heals people. Now, I have never had a person that I've said, may I pray for you because I believe that Jesus heals people. I have never had a person say, how dare you ask if you could pray for me? I mean, even people who don't believe in God will let you pray with them. And I've seen miracles of people who don't believe in God get healed just because you believed even if they didn't. So... Uh, the point here is when you see a sick person, make this practical. Jesus sent you on a mission of generosity. You have something that at the moment they might not have. You have the name of Jesus. Give it to them as a gift that says, in this name, you can be healed. So we pray for you to be healed in the name of Jesus. And guess what? When you do that, you might actually see people get healed. You know what you will net when you never will see people get healed? When you don't pray for people to get healed. Like I've I've never heard of a healing story that came out of a church where someone was actively saying like God just doesn't heal people anymore. Just just doesn't God heals people when we pray cuz he gave us the mission. So our mission of generosity is to receive the healing that God has given us to go thank you God that you have healed me in all of the ways that you have healed me physical, emotional, spiritually, relationally, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now I will go on mission to give that healing away in the name of Jesus. Now, if you don't see a miraculous healing right now, you have prayed for that person to be healed in the name of Jesus, and then the second thing that you do is to provide for their healing by any other means available. Provide for their, their, their healing. We absolutely believe in miracles. We've seen miracles. I'm not going to take the time, but I can tell you so many stories of miracles that we have seen in this church. Some of you are sitting in the room right now. We absolutely believe in miracles. But the church has also had a hand in medicine. You know, God created science. Like, he's smarter than all of us. 
Christians. In fact, did you know that hospitals were a distinctly Christian idea? Dr. Gary Ferngren wrote an article that was published by Johns Hopkins University, and in it he wrote, the hospital was, in origin and concept, a distinctively Christian institution rooted in Christian concepts of charity and philanthropy. In other words, the hospital was our idea. He goes on to say there were no pre-Christian institutions in the ancient world that served the purpose that Christian hospitals were created to serve. Before the church came along and said, we should create an institution that cares for the sick, we'll call it a hospital. Before the church invented it, there was no organization like it. This is Jesus's idea, the hospital. We believe in miraculous healing, and we believe in the miracles of medicine. We, we can marry those two. And I've seen people go to the hospital and get healed miraculously all at the same time. All at the same time, we believe in holistic, complete healing in the name of Jesus. Amen? So I will send a person to a hospital in Jesus' name, but not until I've prayed for them in Jesus' name. Or maybe I'll drive them to the hospital in Jesus' name. In fact, our denomination has a heritage, a legacy, a history. We're, about, we're this coming year celebrating 100 years of the Foursquare Church, the denomination that we're a part of. Amy Semple McPherson started this denomination 100 years ago, and there was a revival. You might have heard of something called the Azusa Street Revival. Foursquare uh, started right around the same time as the Azusa Street Revival. And in Echo Park in Los Angeles, Angeles Temple, the very first Foursquare Church was planted. And did you know that there was a a season in the church's history that in that in Echo Park and in Los Angeles, people it would people who drove uh, ambulances. What are those guys called? Paramedics. Thank you, brain. Uh, caught up to my mouth. That paramedics would have patients in the back of their ambulances, and they would many times drive them on the way to the hospital to Angeles Temple. They would take a beat at Angelus Temple, open the back doors. They would have that person prayed for. And there are many stories of people who would just stay there, wouldn't have to go to the hospital anymore because Jesus physically healed them. That's our, our family's legacy. We absolutely believe in healing. And you know what would happen if they weren't physically healed right then? You're already in an ambulance. Just keep on driving. I mean, it got so wild that at one point the hospital started calling Angela's Temple saying, can we have our wheelchairs and crutches back because too many people showed up with them and left them there. Jesus is still healing people. And I am praying for a church, you, us, together, let's be the church that 100 years after those stories that we could see them again in this city. Let's be a church on the generous mission of healing the sick. Amen? But as if Jesus was like, oh, you thought that was hard, he added a second element to his list. He says, cool, heal the sick. Go out and heal the sick. The second thing I want you to do is to raise the dead. Whew. Oh, no. Are we really going to talk about this? No. Okay. Just so you know, uh, if, if you're like, let's just make this one a metaphor. There are actually, there's a whole line of thinking. In fact, there's a debate 
in church history that has said that some of the manuscripts that, that record this text actually don't show that Jesus said raise the dead. They would just say that he skipped it. He just gave us a list of three things and raise the dead isn't on the list. Some of the manuscripts say that. Other manuscripts include the phrase raise the dead. Now, you can land on either side of the point. I would maintain that death is a sickness. So even if Jesus didn't say raise the dead, he said heal the sick. So, gotcha. Okay, let's just say for sake of argument, though, that Jesus said what we think that he said. There are many other manuscripts that also include the phrase raise the dead. So you can fall on either side of it, but we're going to give Scripture the benefit of the doubt in the interpretation translations that we have in our modern era that Jesus has said raise the dead. So we're not going to say that, uh, that it's not in Scripture. Now, there's also many people who would say, well, Jesus said, uh, he didn't really, I'm not really sure if he said it, and raising the dead is really only Jesus' job. Yeah, Marcus just said the answer, by the way. Um, so there are, there are people who would say raising the dead is only Jesus' job, to which we would say 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Only Jesus, only Jesus can raise the dead. but he's given us his name. So we don't raise the dead. We ask Jesus to raise the dead, right? So we go out in the name of Jesus. So on the surface, it might appear that, um, that, that we're not sure if we're seeing dead people coming back to life. I maintain, and I would propose and argue for you, that Jesus is still in the resurrection business in 2022 and that, and that he will continue to be. Amen? Now, that said, I will concede that most credible resurrection stories happen in places where there is no possibility for medical intervention. Largely, resurrection stories come out of places like third world countries where healthcare is uh, difficult, if not impossible, to gain access to. We will concede that. Uh, it, we can be thankful for our healthcare that we have here, while also being thankful that where there isn't access, Jesus is raising the dead. And there are stories that I've heard, uh, pastors that I know personally who I trust uh, the validity of their stories and them telling the truth of people who have said, I have been in the room where a dead person was raised back to life in the name of Jesus. So I think at the very least we can say resurrection is probably rare, uh, but it is happening. And it is a part of the mission of our, generos uh, of our, our generous mission. So how then do we practice this kind of generosity? I think at the very least we would consider that we've been given life in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we look to be a source of life wherever we go. Wherever we see death, we want to be a source of life. Amen? Good. The mission of generosity looks like praying for life to flow through our lives at all times, expecting miraculous results in both body and soul. Sometimes that will look like laying hands on a dead person and they will be raised back to life. Sometimes that looks like speaking the word of Jesus to a person, the word of God to a person, and their spirit and soul will be revitalized back to life. We are to raise the dead in physical and spiritual senses. So practically speaking, I would say that if you are to be a person who goes on the generous mission of raising the dead, that the foundation, the starting point of this ministry is to become very generous with the Word of God.
It is the word of God that brings life. As Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22 says, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. When the dead are raised spiritually and physically alike, it is never us who raise the dead. It is always and only the word of God. So when you see death in the world... Begin by searching the word of God to see what life that God would speak to that place of death. What would the word of God say to that area or that situation? Then obey whatever the word of God tells you to do. Pray for that area of death. Lovingly declare the word of God. Notice the word lovingly in that sentence. Lovingly declare the word of God over that area of death. And then I would say, take whatever actions that would introduce the kingdom life into that environment. Uh, Sometimes that's uh, as practical as loving your neighbors and enemies. Maybe you see death in the culture of your neighborhood. Loving your neighbors and speaking life into their lives is a way that you can raise the dead. Preaching the gospel to those who are spiritually dead is a way that you can raise the dead. And sometimes it is as radical as calling someone who is physically dead to come alive in the name of Jesus. And I think if we're going to be a church that believes that we are called to heal the sick, we must also be a church that says that's got to be possible too. I refuse to have a limit or a ceiling on the things that are possible for Jesus to do just because it's been a couple thousand years since he was walking the face of the earth. If the Bible was ever true, then when he says raise the dead, it still applies today. Amen? So, heal the sick. Raise the dead. That is part of our generous mission. Jesus has been generous to us, so generosity looks like being a source of life to others. Amen? The third thing that Jesus tells us to do is to cleanse those with leprosy. Now, leprosy is a disease that causes the flesh to decay. Uh, It attacks the nervous system, and eventually uh, your flesh begins to fall off of your own body. It is not a fun disease to have. Thankfully, uh, it it has become treatable. In fact, as as late as 1940, it became a very treatable condition, and if caught early enough, you can actually fully recover from leprosy if you catch it within about five to six months of regular treatment. Uh, But until then, up until about 1940, lepers or people with leprosy were ostracized. They were put out of community. And as of the year 2020, which was the last time that uh, really accurate records were able to be taken because of all of the social distancing that we were doing, uh, there were, as of 2020, there were only 127,558 cases reported worldwide. The entire planet. That's actually a very, very low number when you consider uh, global population and the possibilities of, uh, well, there were some other things that everybody was uh, dealing with at the time, so other numbers were much larger than that. But the point here is that leprosy in 2020 and 2022 is not a common problem anymore, especially in the Western world. And thank God for that. Thank God for the science that made that possible. But What leprosy represents spiritually is absolutely a problem. Throughout the Old and the New Testament in Scripture, leprosy serves as a physical representation of the spiritual effects of sin. So on the surface, we would say we are to heal the sick, 
raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy. If you ever meet a person with leprosy, do them the generous service of helping them be cleansed through prayer in the name of Jesus and any medical intervention that is possible. But then also, we look at leprosy as a metaphor, as an image for the spiritual effect of sin. I said to you a moment ago that leprosy attacks the nervous system, and then it rots the body. So the more severe your case, the more you are falling apart physically and the less you can actually feel it. You're left with a destroyed body. And before 1940, you were driven out of community. You could see why in the Bible this was a powerful image for the effect of sin. Sin desensitizes your spirit. It breaks relationships and it destroys lives. Again, thank God Jesus has made a way for us to be healed. Amen. Think about the way that he has made us to be healed for the spiritual ramifications of sin. His shed blood has given us the ability to be cleansed of our sin. Amen. And his broken body, by that, we are made whole and restored to relationship with God. Praise God. So again, Jesus would say, freely you have received, freely give. Have you received cleansing of your sin? Have you been cleansed of the leprosy that was destroying your life? And if you can say yes to that, then you are sent on the generous mission to go and cleanse others. Not optional. So think about it. How has Jesus purified your life? What did he set you free from? What habitual sin issue was destroying you until Jesus came and set you free? If you were to make this practical, I I can understand that this might be a little bit tricky. See, generosity that cleanses does not make anyone clean of their sins. In other words, you can't just go around and, like, pardon people of their sins because you're so nice. It's only by the name of Jesus that the dead are raised, the sick are healed, and sins are forgiven. And leprosy is, is cleansed. You understand what we're saying? you don't get to go around and say, you know what, I've decided that your sins aren't that big of a deal anymore. It's cool. No, it's by the name of Jesus that sins are forgiven. It's through receiving the grace and the love of Jesus and by repentance and confession of sins that sins are forgiven, that leprosy spiritually is cleansed. See, here's what we can do. We can model righteous living in the name of Jesus. Yes? We show people what it looks like to live a cleansed life. We can then point to Jesus as a source of cleansing from sin. When people say, why are you living so differently? What's weird about you? You can say, Jesus cleansed my life. Do you know the person who set me free? And then we can teach righteous living to those who will listen. Caveat, to those who will listen. To those who have ears, let them hear. Right? We don't need to... We don't need to force Christian living on the rest of the nation or the rest of the world or the rest of our block. We don't need to force that. We model that. We show people this is what it looks like to live free. And then people who are bound in the leprosy of sin will look at the life of the Christian and say, you are living better and more free. You're more alive. Why is it that you can feel things differently than I can? Oh, it's because my spiritual nervous system is attacked and turned on because of the name of Jesus. 
Why is it that when the world is making me feel like I'm falling apart, you've got it all together? Oh, it's only by the name of Jesus. So we can point to Jesus and teach those who will listen. But again, we find instruction in Jesus' framework. Freely you have received. If you truly have received forgiveness of sin, what does Jesus say to you? Freely give. To be cleansed, we were given grace and forgiveness. So to be generous, we must be people who extend grace and forgiveness to others. Do you understand the implication of freely you've received forgiveness of your sins, so freely give? The implication is the church must be the most forgiving people in the entire world. There should never be a list, a person on a, there shouldn't even be a list, but there should never be a name on any list in my life of a person who I cannot forgive or refuse to forgive. Scripture tells me that if I refuse to forgive, then I have not truly come to understand forgiveness. And I can't offer purification to anybody. I can't point anybody to a Jesus that I'm not in actual relationship with, that I haven't received purification from. Just for clarification to make sure this is abundantly clear, unforgiveness is a sin. It's leprosy. So if you refuse to be the most forgiving person in the whole world, maybe second most, Jesus is the most, but second most, strive to be second place. But if you refuse to do that because, well, you don't know what they did. I mean, we could sit down and compare stories of all the ways that we've been hurt. Or we could let people go. Stop holding on. Release like Jesus released us. Stop allowing our own unforgiveness to rot and decay and turn our hearts off. And actually let people be free. Jesus has purified you. He's forgiven you. He has cleansed your life. So generosity looks like being a source of purification and grace and forgiveness for others. And the final thing that Jesus says here in our mission of generosity is this command to drive out demons. This is, this is the one that, that, that we maybe more than any of the others, there's something inside of us that wants to say, let's just leave the demon talk for the movies, please. But demons are real. Demons are very, very real. In fact, demons are spiritual beings created by God that work against God's people in purpose. When they were created by God, they were originally angels created to serve God's purpose. But they fell from heaven with Satan himself and now actively work against, in rebellion against God's purpose. You can read about that in places like Jude chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 12. Demons are real. They're created by God. They rebelled against God and they hate God. And they hate what God loves. So since you are loved by God, they hate you. It's incredible how much time my brain wants to spend thinking about the human beings that don't like me. And how much time my brain wants to pretend that there are no demons out there that really hate me. But that is just as much a reality as that there are some people in the world who are not my fan. And not your friend. There are some people in the world that really don't like you. And that pales in comparison to how much demons want to destroy your life. 
And we cannot ignore this. And Jesus said, if you want to be on the mission of generosity, you must go about the work of driving out demons. Now, in order to get to a place where we drive out demons, we must first say that we are not to fear demons. Because part of the reason that we don't want to think about it is because it's scary. Because you watched a movie one time, somebody's head was spinning around, or somebody was floating, and all this scary stuff. And we, in our society, it's like we're, we're trained to scare ourselves by the demonic, but then convince ourselves that none of it is actually real. And so then when Jesus says, go cast out demons, we go, no, I, I really don't want that to be real. If it is real, certainly just like let Marcus deal with it. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. God created them, which means God is greater than them. And they rebelled against God, which means that they don't have access to the name that you have, which is greater than them, which is Jesus. So whatever power and authority and reality exists in the demonic realm, we have access to something that is greater so you either believe the name of Jesus is all-powerful or you are scared of demons. It, those are your options. So if I believe that the name of Jesus has power over sickness, I must also believe that the name of Jesus gives me peace in the face of the demonic and authority and power in the name and the face of the demonic and in the works of the demonic realm. You see, Jesus gave away the authority to drive out demons. He didn't keep it to himself. In Luke chapter 9, it says, Summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all the demons. Not over the weak demons. Not over the baby demons. I don't know about baby demons or weak demons or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just trying to prove a point to you. Okay? He gave them power over how many of the demons? All of them, 100% of demons, he's given his disciples power and authority over. And also to heal diseases. Again, if you can believe that Jesus can heal the sick, you are also going to believe that he has given you power over all the demons. What are you afraid of? So Jesus then extends that out to the 72 disciples on a similar mission. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Which, by the way, Jesus' response to that was like, oh, you think that's cool? Celebrate that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He's like, don't get freaked out about demons. Don't make too much of a thing about it. And certainly don't go chasing them and make a whole ministry about, Let me, like, here's my YouTube channel of me chasing demons. No, celebrate the most important thing. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're known by Jesus, demons are just like a thing that you get to have power and authority over. And you are called on the mission of generosity to drive them out. In case you're still thinking that this doesn't apply in the modern world, let's just go all the way. Remember the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16. What does Jesus say? These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe they will cast out demons in my name, etc. So we are offered deliverance from demons in the name of Jesus, and we are given the ministry of generosity to be those who cast out demons in the name of Jesus.
You either believe this or you don't. It's like there's just, that's it. There's no gray area here. You either have authority or you don't believe that the name of Jesus is all-powerful. Okay, so let's make this practical. The first step is this. Don't try casting out demons if you're not a person of regular prayer. There's stories about this in the Bible. There's stories about this in modern history. Don't mess with demons if you don't actually know Jesus very well. Right? It would be like me walking into a government building and saying, oh, I'm here because of Donald Trump. Or I'm here because of Joe Biden. And they would go, do you know either of those men personally? No, but I'm just going to use their name and get in the door. But you don't have personal relationship with either of those men. No, but I know their names. Great, everybody knows their names. I don't care if you know a name. Do you know the person? Do you see the difference? Don't go trying to cast out demons if you only know about Jesus. You've got to know Jesus in deep, regular, personal prayer. You know what deep, regular, personal prayer is going to do? It's going to work out all your sin issues. All the stuff that a demon is going to try to use against you to make you feel like you're not worthy or you're guilty of something because you're guilty of something. So just like repent a lot. Spend a ton of time in prayer. Know the word of God. Don't go chasing down a demon if you're not a person of regular prayer. And don't go try to cast out demons if you might have some demons messing with your own life. As a Christian, we won't take a ton of time to get into this, but we firmly believe that the scriptures are clear on this, that where Jesus, where the Spirit of God dwells, demons cannot dwell. You cannot be possessed by a demon if you are a Christian. But just because you can't be possessed by a demon if you're a Christian, you can absolutely be oppressed by a demon, even as a follower of Jesus. And so make sure if you're going to enter into this ministry, which you are called to enter into, and you don't need to be afraid of, that you are a person of regular prayer who has cleaned out your own life. And if that makes you feel like, oh, no, I've got some stuff in my life I need to deal with, well, you have come to the right place. Because we all belong, sinners and Save people alike. We all get welcome to the foot of the cross, to the name of Jesus who cleanses us of all of our leprosy, who raises our dead spirits back to life, who heals all of our sick places, and then says, now you go and give that away. So if what I've said makes you feel like you're a dirty, rotten sinner, man, welcome to the club. But let's meet Jesus in the place where he will cleanse us and set us free and deliver us so that knowing that Jesus has delivered us, we can understand that generosity then looks like being a source of deliverance for others. Amen? So generosity has something to do with our money, with our possessions, with our stuff. But it first, I believe, is a spiritual mission that we are sent on by Jesus to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those with leprosy, and to cast out demons. We could go on and on and on about these four works of ministry, uh, but Jesus has called us to freely give what we have freely received. So as we begin to wrap up today, we want to ask ourselves the question, have I freely received what has been offered to me? 
I think this is the, this is the place that we want to begin. Uh, we're going to pray for you. We're going to offer you an opportunity to receive prayer for a moment. But I, I just want to say to you for a moment, the word that Jesus uses here for freely, to freely give and freely receive, is a word that means gratuitously. Like ridiculously, lavishly. It's silly how much he's given, how freely he's given. Like you needed a dollar and he gave you a hundred. Like you needed to be saved and he gave you overwhelming abundant life. And the question for us before we do anything else is have you freely received? Have you gratuitously, overwhelmingly, in every area of your life received the goodness and the love of Jesus? Can you just take a moment with your eyes closed and have a conversation with God about that? If there is some area in your life right now that we've touched on in this message, that there's some area where maybe you would say, you know what, I have not received healing for sickness, and I, I want to ask you, God, that you would do a work of healing in my life. Or, or there's a place in my spirit where I feel like there's this leprous issue in my life where something is just falling apart and there's a sin issue that I'm dealing with. I want to receive grace and forgiveness for my life. Or there's a place where I've experienced the death Uh, of my spirit or there's a place where I'm grieving because I've experienced physical death in my life or in my family and I'm I'm grieving and I want to receive your grace and your comfort today or there's a place where I feel like I am under attack by the enemy today God I want to receive deliverance in the name of Jesus God offers you gratuitous overflowing ridiculous gifts freedom, healing, grace, and life, and deliverance. Are you sick today? Jesus is your healer. Are you facing death or something that feels like a kind of dying? May Jesus bring you life. Are you bound in the impurity of sin? As you repent of your sins, may you feel the weight of the forgiveness that Jesus extends to you. In in replacing your sins to receive forgiveness. Are you bound up, oppressed by spiritual forces? Come today to receive deliverance. In fact, I want want to end our gathering today by doing exactly this, by offering you an opportunity to receive prayer over these exact areas. So I didn't tell you guys in advance, but I'm just going to invite a couple of people to come and pray today. Espy, will you come? Marcus and Liz, will you come? Greg and Tammy, will you come? Arlene, would you come? Paul and Rhonda, would you also come? I'm just asking some friends of mine that I know are people who have freely, gratuitously received the goodness of God. And I'm just inviting these friends today to come and stand here. If there is an area in your life where you need prayer, something that we've touched on today that you would say, I need the touch of God, the work of God in my life. These friends are just going to be here to pray a blessing over you. They may lay hands on you if you're experiencing sickness, any kind of grief or pain or bondage or attack of the enemy. Today, we want today to be a day of deliverance and life. In the name of Jesus, 
before you come to receive prayer, I, I would like to pray a blessing over you. And then this is how we're going to end our service. I'm just going to ask Bryce to continue to play for a moment and just to continue to be there in the background to give us some noise as you come to pray. And then these friends are going to be here. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then you will be blessed and released to come to pray or to go and be generous to others. And before I pray this blessing over you, we say this, to the name above every other name, Jesus, we believe your word. We believe in your name. We believe that we are nothing. We are lost. We are bound and we are dead without you, Jesus. It is in your name that we have salvation. It is in your name that we have healing. It is in your name that we have experienced life. It is in your name that we are delivered and set free. It is in your name that we are purified. And so today, God, as we come to pray, as we receive your name and your work in our lives, we ask also that you would root these gifts into our lives so radically and gratuitously that as much as we have received from you, make us a generous people. We do not want to be known for our generosity of money before we are known for the generosity of the power of the name of Jesus. And let every other blessing come after that most important blessing that we have received the name of Jesus. And so Life Church, today I pray this blessing over you. May you experience the incredible generosity of God in your life. May you receive healing in every area of your life. A fully blessed and overflowing and abundant life made alive in the name of Jesus. May you receive purification in your soul and freedom from any stronghold of sin that you are facing. And may you receive deliverance from every work of the enemy in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus and in your free and in your full life may your blessings overflow in generosity to others in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen Friends, would you come and receive prayer today and would you go to be generous? God bless you. We'll see you next week.